Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our Thursday, Maundy Thursday, uh, Holy Week service. And I'm so glad that you're here, so glad that you're celebrating this uh, sacred moment with us. And if you are watching and uh, worshiping with us online, I'm glad that you're worshiping with us by live stream. If you're worshiping by live stream and you're at home, I want to ask you to go ahead and, and get prepared for uh, a few minutes from now when we receive the Lord's Supper. And we will pray and we will do all of those things and, and do go through all of the liturgy and remembrance here. And you can do that at home with whatever you have on hand. If you came in tonight, you should have received one uh, of these little self-contained communion cups that has the, the wafer on top and the, the juice in the bottom. Um, it's a, a little tricky to peel the very top layer off to get to the wafer before you peel the bottom layer off. So you may have to, as we say in elementary school, help your neighbor. If, if they're having trouble, they don't have fingernails, they can't get it. And, and the, the trick is if you, if you twist it a little bit and kind of loosen it up, it, it helps. So that's how we will prepare for that. Uh, I want to say thank you for being here. We've had a great Holy Week uh, so far. We've had wonderful services each and every day. Our noonday services have been great. I've loved them. We've got one more tomorrow. Reverend D. Dowdy from Rainbow City First United Methodist Church will be our guest speaker, and we'll also have guest musician. And so uh, come and join us tomorrow on Good Friday uh, for our last um, noonday Holy Week service. Um, the kids are going to have a great time Saturday with uh, the Easter egg hunt out at the Casey's Farm from 10 to 12. If you need more information about that, Miss Catherine's right over here. She can tell you about that. We're going to have good weather for it. So it, it should be a lot of fun. And then Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday this year, we're going to start out with a sunrise service, a virtual sunrise service that will be uh, that will be aired, and you will be able to watch this virtual sunrise service that is being done by the men at the well. The guest speaker for our virtual sunrise service will be Bishop Deborah Wallace Paget, and um, I have seen the video that she has prepared for our sunrise service just for us because we asked her to do that. Well, the minute the well asked her to do that, she graciously um, said that she would do that. And so it is special. It'll be a special moment for the sunrise service. Even if you're not a morning purpose, uh, person, you can, you can watch later on, okay? And that's, that's the beauty of this is you don't, you don't have to get up with the chickens in order to, to see this. We'll have our nine o'clock service, our celebration service right in here. We'll have our 11 o'clock tradition service Everything's going to be great. And join us online, online by watching live stream. Join us in person uh, if, you, if you're able to. And let's celebrate Easter together. Um, what a difference it is this year as a remembering a year ago. And uh, I don't know about you, but it, it lifts my heart to be able to do that. Uh, one more thing before we sing our opening hymn. Down here to, uh, to my left and to your right is on, on the easel here is a painting that was done by a, a man that's, uh, that lives up on the mountain, a neighbor of Susan Swan. Uh, his name is Mr. Billy Steele. He's a, a, a veteran and he lives by himself, doesn't have any family, and she befriended him and started helping him during 
kind of during the pandemic when he would need groceries and things like that. Susan's just a, a caring, loving person. And he, it turns out, is an artist. And he wanted to do something um, and give to the church. So he painted this beautiful picture, an original watercolor of Jesus in the garden with his face turned to heaven, praying. And it's, it's just gorgeous. So sometime tonight before you leave, it's going to be hanging in our chapel. Uh, but we brought it out tonight on Monday, Thursday, because we're remembering Jesus' passion and Jesus on the night before he was crucified. So sometime before you leave tonight, take a look at this beautiful picture. And if you are in the church later on and you think, oh, well, I missed out, it's going to be hanging in our chapel, and you can go and take a look at it. It's gorgeous, and we're very thankful to, to Mr. Steele. And Mr. Steele, if you're watching tonight and worshiping with us uh, online, thank you so much. We're going to sing our opening hymn, uh, number 359. Well, it's going to be up on the screen. It's Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed. Will you stand together as we sing?
Please remain standing as we affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the I want to invite you, if you have a prayer request, anytime you can, you can email that to our church uh, by email address uh, fumcgadston.org or you can send it to us by, on our Facebook page or you can mention it in the comments tonight as, as you worship with us by live stream or you can jot a, a note and put in one of the offering plates by either door. If you brought your Alleluia offering tonight, you can do the same. You can drop it by uh, one of the offering plates. You can always give online. But you have a special opportunity to give tonight. When we uh, have communion together, it's our custom to, to give a little something or a big something for our local missions. And, and you can leave something on the altar after we receive um, communion tonight. You can, you can always send that another way if, you, if you're not prepared to, to do that. Whatever God lays on your heart. I want to tell you, every single day we get calls at the office uh, of people who need help with something. And we, uh, we always try to, to help. And wh whatever you give for your communion offering goes toward that to help uh, people locally who come in need. Um, I want to invite you now to go to the Lord in prayer with me at, at home. Will you join us as we bow before the Lord and pray? Gracious God, on this solemn night, as we remember your passion, and as we remembered the night that you gathered with your disciples in that upper room to celebrate the Passover with them, and we remember the night that, that in course of doing all that, you gave them an example of what it was to love and what it was to serve by, by kneeling and washing their feet, a, a job that they wouldn't even do. But you said, I've done this as an example for you, that you should do this for each other, that you should serve and that you should be willing to love in that way. Lord, we thank you that on that night you instituted for us what would become one of the sacraments of our church, one of the ways that we remember your great love for us, a means of grace by which 
you touch our lives in a very special way. God, our hearts are thankful and we are solemn and we are humble when we think about what you went through for us, that your love had no limits. And God, we are so thankful and humble. We ask, Lord, for your forgiveness where we have failed to live up to your glory, for where we have missed the mark and we failed to do what you call us to do. We failed to live up to that mandate that you gave us or where we have done what we should not have done. Forgive us now, Lord, and teach us to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Last night I lay a-sleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem, beside the temple there. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought a voice of angel from heaven in answering, methought a voice of angel from heaven in answering. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and sing Hosanna in the highest Hosanna to your King And then methought my dream was changed, the streets no longer rang. Hushed were the glad hosannas, the little children sang. The sun grew dark with mystery, the morn was cold and chill. As the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill, as the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely Jerusalem, Jerusalem, hark how the angels sing. 
so much JT and thank you Benny it's uh it's always it's always such a, a blessing to to be able to to get up and preach after inspirational music so I want to invite you to join me in in looking at our gospel lesson for tonight from Mark 15 and we'll be reading together verses 29 through 39 Mark 15 beginning with verse 29 and going through verse 39 those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him along with themselves, among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. 
Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, Listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was God's son. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Tonight we are going to look at the irony of the cross. And I don't think there's any better place in scripture to see irony than to see it in this passage that we just read about Jesus' crucifixion. There are three kinds of irony, and I apologize to any English teachers out there if I get any of this wrong or I'll leave one out. I'm, I'm looking at you back there on the back row. Um, but there are three kinds of irony that I know about. There's, there's verbal irony, and that's when you say one thing, but you mean something totally opposite. I'll give you a good example of that. When, when uh, this last Sunday on Palm Sunday, uh, when I came to churches pouring down raining and I had my umbrella and someone opened the door for me uh, over on the Chestnut Street side and as I was closing my umbrella and shaking the water off, I said, what a nice day for an outdoor service. So that's an example of verbal irony. Uh, but you know what? We had a great service anyway, didn't we? It was wonderful. So that's verbal irony. And then situational irony is when something happens that was the opposite of what you expected to happen. That's like if, if I thought that it was going to be a pretty day and I washed my car and instead of it being a pretty day, it rained, that would be situational irony. Has that ever happened to, to you? Yeah, I know. And then there's dramatic irony. Dramatic irony is when the audience or, or the reader knows something and the characters in the story don't know it. A good example of that would be, let's say you're watching one of those old horror movies and you see a group of teenagers in a scary house and the lights go out and all of a sudden somebody says, let's go down in the basement and see if the fuse box is down there. And you know that there's a creepy guy in a hockey mask and a meat cleaver that's down in the basement, and you're wanting to tell the people, don't, don't go down in the basement. Are you crazy? Don't go down in the basement. And you're saying that to the screen. That's dramatic irony. And dramatic irony is what we have in this story in the gospel in Mark 15. We see what the characters do, and we see what they say, but we know something they don't know. 
And if we could, we would, we would talk to them. And, and we would say to them, we'd, we'd yell at them maybe like you would yell at those teenagers, don't go down in the basement. We would tell these people, these groups of people, what we know that they don't know. There's three groups or three people in this story that give us the dramatic irony that we see. And we know that by what they say to Jesus. There's the passers-by who mock Jesus, and they wag their heads, and they say, Ha! You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Well, what do we know that they don't know? Well, we know a couple of things. We know that, that in the time of his greatest stress, when he was hanging on the cross for us, that Jesus' mind was going back to a psalm that the psalmist David wrote a thousand years earlier, Psalm 22. It's the psalm that he was quoting from when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in this psalm, Psalm 22, David writes this in verse 9, All who see me sneer at me or mock me and make faces at me and wag their heads. So what do we know that the passers-by didn't know that day? We know that when Jesus said that the temple would be destroyed and would be rebuilt in three days, he wasn't talking about the temple in Jerusalem, the actual building in Jerusalem. And how do we know that? Well, we, we can read about that in John chapter 2, and one of our Holy Week speakers, Laura uh, Satterfield, talked about that and and. The, the day that she preached for us, when Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers and he, he drove them out, Jesus told the people there that day, he said, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And they were saying, you're crazy. What are you talking about? It took 46 years to build this temple and you're going to destroy it and rebuild it in three days? What are you talking about? But then later on in the Gospel of John in verse 21, Jesus fills in uh, the dramatic irony. And it says, the Gospel writer tells us that Jesus was talking about his own body, the temple, that would be destroyed and yet would rise again in three days. So we know that. We know that. But those who are mocking Jesus that day, they didn't know it. The second great dramatic irony that we find in the words in this gospel are the words of the chief priests and the scribes, the, the religious experts of the day. Here's what they said. They said, he saved others. Can he not save himself? Let the Christ, the king of Israel, and you have to understand when they said the king of Israel, they were being just as sarcastic as they could be. Let the Christ, the king of Israel, come down, and if we see that, then we will believe. Wow. What do we know that they don't know? Well, we know that it is precisely because Jesus did not save himself that he could save others, you see? What we were witnessing, what we are witnessing even now as we look at this, we're witnessing God's unlimited love. 
In his commentary about this, William Barclay writes this, If Jesus had refused the cross, or if in the end he had come down from the cross, it would have meant that there's a limit to God's love, that there was something which that love was not prepared to suffer for humanity, that there was a line beyond which it would not go. But since Jesus went the whole way and died on the cross, this means that there is literally no limit to God's love. There is nothing in all of the universe which that love is not prepared to suffer for us. There is nothing, not even death on a cross, which it will refuse to bear for us. When we look at the cross, Jesus is saying to us, God loves you like that, with a love that is limitless, a love that will bear every suffering earth has to offer. The picture of the cross is a picture of God's unlimited love. And the chief priests and scribes say, look, if we see you come down from the cross, we'll believe. But what we know that they don't know is that they would never believe, that they would never receive. God's unlimited love was right there in front of them, but they refused to see it. And as the old saying goes, there are none so blind as those who will not see. That you know what? They were the religious experts of the day. They were the most religious people of the day. They were the ultimate insiders of their religion. And yet when Jesus died, when Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And you know who recognized Jesus the ultimate outsider, not the ultimate insider. And that brings us to our last dramatic irony in this story. In verse 39, it says, the Roman centurion saw how Jesus died and he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Now you understand that a Roman centurion was a soldier who was in command of a, a centuria, which could have been a, a group of soldiers that would number anywhere from a hundred to a thousand. This particular Roman centurion was the one who was in charge of Jesus's crucifixion. He was the soldier in charge. There is a, a legend that is supported by the early church about this centurion, they say that his name was Longthus, and that after this, after this confession, that he became a Christian, and that later on he too was martyred for his faith. So we can see the irony of that, can't we? We can see the irony that the religious experts were blind, and that the hated Roman centurion was the one who saw the truth. We can see the irony that Jesus, the one who was mocked as king, was really the king. That Jesus, the one who appeared utterly powerless, was the one who was all-powerful. The irony that the one who was totally humiliated was the one that was highly exalted. The one that by not saving himself, was the one who saved us all. That Jesus was 
recognized not by the insiders, but by the ultimate outsider, the hated Roman centurion. And maybe the biggest irony of the cross is that God used the hatred of humankind, the hatred of humankind, to show the greatest example of love that has ever been shown. This great love, this great love that knows no bounds is what we celebrate tonight on Monday, Thursday. Monday, Thursday, if you might remember, is a Monday is a word that comes from a Latin word that means mandate. So it's mandate Thursday. And, and it remembers the night that Jesus gathered with his disciples on the night before Good Friday, and he gave them a mandate. He said, that mandate is, we read in John 13, 34, a new commandment, a new mandate I give you, Jesus said, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love is what was the dramatic irony of the cross. Love is what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples the night that he broke bread with them and gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you and this is my blood poured out for you. Love. Love what Paul described in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 as something that endures all things. So when we celebrate the sacrament tonight, when we look at the cross, when we look at what Jesus, his passion in the garden, we see a picture of love that endures all things, that knows no limits. So tonight as we receive this sacrament, I want you to do something for me. I want you to, in your heart, say, thank you, Lord, for loving me like that. And sometime tomorrow, if you, if you have a chance to come for our noonday service, you know, maybe you want to do it then, but if you can't, sometime tomorrow on Good Friday, I want you to say, thank you for the cross, for your unlimited love. Amen. Just a couple of reminders as we celebrate this sacrament together. Uh, one is that this sacrament is open for all, and in our tradition, all are welcome at the Lord's table. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a Methodist. All you have to do is have a heart that's hungry for God, and all are welcome to do that. The other thing is that is it is our tradition to leave a, a, a gift, uh, an offering on the altar rail for uh, our local mission fund and if you're able to do that then please do but now this is the invitation Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him who are earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another therefore let us confess our sin before God and one another let us pray merciful God we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart 
we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And now we continue with the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The body of Christ, broken for you. The blood of Christ, shed for you.
today in our noonday service, we sang um, a great Charles Wesley hymn, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. And tonight on Monday Thursday, we're going to close with another great Charles Wesley hymn, O Love Divine, What Hast Thou Done? After we sing this song, I'm going to, to give the benediction, and, and rather than having um, a postlude for you to, to exit by, um, I just ask that you exit in silence, uh, remembering what God has done for you. Uh, you don't have to hurry, take your time, but um, let this solemn moment be a time that you remember and that you say thanks. After, um, after everyone is gone, then we will have some volunteers that will stay around and we, we will strip the altar, as is our tradition, to prepare for the Good Friday service tomorrow at noon. So um, join me now. Will you stand? We're going to sing together, O love divine, what hast thou done? grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all, now and forever. Amen.